Hello and welcome, dear friends. I am Nicole Beecham, and this is the Energetic Pathway Podcast, Journey Back to Yourself. I invite you to join me each week as we explore stories, insights, and resources through the lens of vulnerability and authenticity with a little bit of humor along the way. Let's dive into today's topic together. Today, we're going to talk about self-love, and we'll specifically be looking at what it looks like to start stepping in to self-compassion. I think for me, when I first heard of self-compassion, I was taking basically this group. It was like a self-care group, and I, I just started laughing because I just kept hearing the same story over and over again. It seems like almost everyone in the group, at least this particular group, was incredibly good at expressing and extending compassion for everyone else. But when it came for self-compassion, it was something we struggled with. And I I know for me, I wasn't raised to be self-compassionate, not, not just in my upbringing, but also in society, living in the Southeast. We, I feel like we were raised mostly, or at least my story, I was raised to operate in a way where I would sacrifice myself constantly for other people. And it was almost like I was... I was taught or it was instilled in me that to be a good person, you had to put other people first at all times. And the reality is, is I did that. I lived that. I breathed that all day, every day. And then eventually it got to the point where not only was I losing myself, um, but at the same time, I wasn't healthy. I wasn't the person that I needed to be. I wasn't, be, I wasn't able to give to others the way that we are designed to give, which is out of excess, which is out of abundance, not out of sacrificing ourselves in order to make sure others are happy and pleased. So I am really excited to dive into this topic today. And as with most things with this podcast, it's going to be pretty free flowing. And I'm here, as you can probably tell by now, alone. I do not have Brock with me today. He is on a cruise with his beautiful wife for their anniversary. So I hope they're having so much fun. And in the meantime, I'm hopping in here just to share a little bit about what my journeys look like with self-compassion and hopefully also share some tips and resources for those of you out there who are on the journey to self-compassion and are looking to take it to the next level or all of us who may need reminders of the importance of self-compassion or even people who are like me when I first started out with all this and have no idea what that even truly means and surely doesn't know what it looks like and is even somewhat afraid to take a leap forward in that direction and actually truly start loving yourself, being compassionate toward yourself, And when you do that, the funny thing is, is the entire world around you changes and it changes for the better. So as we jump in, what is self-compassion? I think it's really important for us to start looking at that first. And the part that stood out the most to me when I started exploring this is how would I respond to a friend or someone that I deeply care about and love if they were in the exact same situation as me and struggling like I was? So for example... Let's say you go and you give a presentation and as you give that presentation, you get completely tied up, you get completely embarrassed 
and you stop. You stop mid-presentation and you have to gather yourself and compose yourself and it's clear to everyone around you that you're a little nervous and then you finish your presentation, but you couldn't stop thinking about that moment that you froze up. I don't know about you, but I can speak for me. I would have replayed that over in my head over and over and over again. I probably would have been very difficult on myself and more than likely would have been self-critical. I probably even would have heard the voices from people in my childhood um, or people in my past telling me that I should have done better or it should have been, it's not a big deal or I should have performed at a new level or anything along the lines of it wasn't good enough and I should and could do better. And the reality is, is we're all human. We're imperfect. Everything that we do is going to be beautiful in its own little way. And unfortunately, we live in a society where it tends to be a perfection is expected from all of us. And that's simply not possible. It's not feasible. And we're all going to fail. And the thing is, is we're not expected to be perfect. That is something we put on ourselves and that is put onto us by society. But the beautiful thing is that's not really how the world is. And that sounds broad. That sounds vague. That probably sounds completely unattainable for you right now. And if that's the case, that's totally fine. I was there as well. And I'm here to tell you that's not true. So self-compassion is looking at that scenario and thinking, what would you say to your friend? Would you beat your friend up and tell your friend, how dare you act like that? How dare you get embarrassed in front of people? Would you tell your friend how everyone probably thinks that they're dumb or that they didn't know what they were talking about, how everyone was laughing at them inside, how nobody's going to invite them back to speak? Like all the things we would say to ourselves, right? Would you ever say that to your friend? And my assumption is no, like probably not because we are compassionate in general, towards other people. And what we have to start doing is framing it in that way. What would I say to someone I love and deeply care about and whoever is best for that person to be in your head, put them in your head. Maybe it's your kid. Maybe it's your sibling. Maybe it's your mom. Maybe it's your dad or your grandmother or your best friend, whoever it is, it doesn't even matter. Put that person that you love so dearly right in front of you. And whatever scenario you're going through yourself, imagine what you would say to them. And then write it down to yourself. Truly. This works. I promise it works. It may sound silly, but it works. And if you don't like writing, type it. And if you don't like type it, speak it out loud. But imagine you're looking at them and in that moment, in that moment of struggle, in that moment of pain that they're having, that you're having, speak to yourself. And the key here is really five things. Um, This is not a step-by-step guide, so don't worry about that. But it's five things. It's gentleness, kindness, understanding, patience, And if it's needed, also forgiveness. And that's really just going to depend upon the situation. So what this may look like for me, continuing to use that same example, is saying to myself, 
again, what I would say to my friend, hey, I am sure that was incredibly embarrassing. First and foremost, I see you. I hear you. I understand you. I understand that you're embarrassed. I hear you, that you're terrified about what's running through everybody else's head. I see you. I see your pain. I see your struggle. And then you just kind of sit with yourself and you let yourself say all the things that you need to say. And it's typically going to be a younger part of you that is scared or that is worried that people are judging them or that is being critical because that's what we are taught to do to ourselves or from others we are taught to therefore internalize it to ourselves. And then just take a deep breath. Let that flow through you and respond in love. Yeah, that was hard. That was scary. I'm sure you were terrified. But you know what? Not only was it really not as bad as you think it was, most of those people in the audience were probably really focused on their own stuff anyways. And half of them probably did not notice. But even more importantly, the second that you finish talking, because most people are all thinking about their own stuff, they're not even going to think about it again. So if, if the fear is worrying that people are obsessing over your little mistakes or not, because they're busy obsessing over their little mistakes, right? And so we're going to mess up. We're not perfect. We're human. And it's important that we start looking at ourselves and honoring those, those parts of ourselves that are going to show up imperfectly with gentleness, with kindness, with understanding, with patience and forgiveness. And this is this isn't easy. This takes time. This takes a lot of hard work and it takes a whole lot of practice. And you're going to hear those other voices come in. You're going to hear the criticism come in. And my recommendation is to say, I see you critical voice inside my head. That's not helpful right now. Thank you for doing that to protect me in the past. And I hear that that's how you were trained. And we're not doing that anymore. We're choosing love. We're choosing to love ourselves. And again, it's going to take practice. A lot, a lot, a lot of patience with yourself and practice. And the reason this is so important is it's important for our own healing process. It's absolutely essential. It can also truly transform those past wounds. And we will get into this on later episodes, but the way that that works is you in many ways begin to reparent yourself. And that may be your younger selves that needed the parent that you didn't have. It may be your adult self that needed the parent that you didn't have or needed the spouse that you didn't have or needed the partner that you didn't have. Whatever it is in those moments of trauma and pain and heartache, you can learn. And I'm here to tell you that you can And I'm here to say, I know how hard it is to hear this when you're in the dark night of the soul. You can learn to be an eternal fierce advocate for yourself instead of your own worst enemy and biggest critic. Not only can you learn that, but you have to learn that in order to continue your healing journey and in order to ultimately become your own safe place, your own place of refuge, regardless of what's going on around you. And that's where your healing is. That's where your power is. That's where your truth is. And that's where the peace comes. That's where you can be the calm of the storm. And it all starts with loving yourself 
and being compassionate for yourself for being human. And I think it's important as we talk about self-compassion that we also just take a second to address the misconceptions about self-compassion. It is not selfish. That was the biggest one for me. I was so called up innocently again because of the society and environment in which I was raised. I was so called up in not being able to put my needs before the needs of others. Um, I was conditioned to that. And I even remember, and this was maybe like two years ago. It wasn't that long ago. I told my dad one day, I was like, nope, I have to put down boundaries. I have to choose myself. I have to make sure that I'm doing what's best for me right now. And his response, again, in a sense, his own story, his own past, his own trauma his response was to make sure you don't go too far to the other direction. And like, I took that very seriously. I was like, Oh shit, what am I doing? I don't want to be selfish. I was trained not to be selfish. Am I moving in that direction? And the reality is no, not even close. Taking care of yourself, me taking care of myself, having self-compassion, having self-love and truly putting myself first is literally like putting on that oxygen mask in the plane before you try to put it on other people. It's very important. It is not selfish. And I think this is one of the biggest lessons that we need to learn as society is it's okay to love yourself. It's okay to be compassionate towards yourself. It's okay to take care of yourself. And not only is it okay, but we have to because the reality is it's nobody else's job to do that but us. And we, and I was there, Some days I still am. We can look for external resources to fulfill that need that we truly can only meet to ourselves by ourselves. And that doesn't mean we don't need other people because we do. That doesn't mean we don't need friends because we do. We need support. We need community. And we still have to learn to love ourselves for ourselves, accepting ourselves, not judging ourselves with self-compassion and gentleness and kindness and love. And that's not being selfish and honoring that need. That's not you being mean and it's not you being unkind. And so I just think as we're talking about self-compassion, those are some things that came up for me and some things that came up for other people that I know as well in this group. And I just want to make sure that we don't miss that. We don't miss that key point that it's not selfishness. And just because you start loving yourself and being compassionate toward yourself does not at all mean that you're going to start being selfish, not even close. And even more than that, and I know this to be true, the more you learn to be compassionate towards yourself, the more true, sincere, honest compassion you're going to have toward others. It is going to make you so much more kinder than you are because your kindness will be given not out of needing to protect yourself or needing to come off a certain way or needing to try to prove yourself to someone, your kindness and compassion will come out of abundance because you already have it for yourself. It comes out of love and that frees the person who's receiving your compassion and also frees you in the process. So if you're going to get started, and I think this is the question that's asked a lot, is like, okay, great, Nicole. I know what self-compassion is, and you're very adamant that's important, so I'm going to somewhat trust you on that for now. 
and you're sharing that you struggled with it as well. And on the other side of learning more about self-love and self-compassion, you're healthier. You have more peace. How in the hell do I get started with this big beast of learning to love myself and be compassionate towards myself? Well, the answer is pretty simple, patience. And along with that, I think that it's also doing what I had to do at the beginning of my journey. So at the very, very, very beginning, I literally set three alarms in my phone. I had an 8.30 a.m. alarm, a 1 p.m. alarm, and an 8.30 p.m. alarm. And when that alarm went off, no matter what I was doing, no matter where I was, I would stop. I would pause. Typically now when I do this, I also place my hand on my heart and I ask myself, how do you feel right now? And then whatever feelings come up, I sit with them. So it may be fear. It may be sadness. It may be anger. It may be hope. It may be excitement. It may be joy, whatever it is. And I put those on my phone. I had a note in my phone that was titled feelings or feeling tracker, I think it was. And I would put the time and I would answer the question how I was feeling. And then the next question I would ask myself is where am I feeling it in my body? So if it was fear, maybe I'd be like, man, my chest feels a little bit tight. I'm feeling like, I'm feeling fear. I'm feeling it in my chest and I feel like it's harder to breathe. Maybe that's how I feel, right? So I would write that down. That's where I feel it in my body. And then I would ask myself, what do I need right now? And sometimes that would be, I need to curl up in bed and take a nap. Sometimes it would be, I need to call a friend or I need to send a text to a friend of mine just to feel connected. Sometimes it would mean I need to go outside and take my shoes off and stand on the ground just to be connected to the world, to to the earth, to the ground for grounding. And sometimes I need to scream. I may want to like grab a pillow and just scream in it. Whatever I needed, I would give it to myself. Within reason, obviously. And then I would ask, how can I choose to love myself in this moment? So I asked myself what I felt. I then asked where I felt it in my body. Then I asked what I needed. And then I basically decided what resources were available to help me meet that need. And I allowed myself in love to have that need met and to make that the most important thing in that moment. And this whole process takes like three to five minutes, but it's very, 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 very important because we typically, when we come out of scenarios of trauma, and again, we all have trauma. So I use that very broadly for now. We'll talk about specific types of trauma later we can become so disassociated with our bodies and with ourselves, with our feelings. We can be so trapped in the past or in the present that we don't even notice the moment around us. And that simple task of asking ourselves those three questions and writing them down, that simple thing can help bring us back to the present, which again can calm our nervous system. And we'll talk in an upcoming podcast about the importance of our nervous system, how to calm, how to find grounding um, and all that stuff as well. So that there will be more tools and resources that will be coming up around that. And I think it's also important to share that once you get started, your self-love routine, your self-compassion routine, it's not going to end. It doesn't, it shouldn't go away. That should be something that you carry with you 
in some capacity for the rest of your life. So for me, what that looks like is I no longer track those three different alarms that go off during the day and put how I'm feeling in there. I don't really do that anymore. Mine is a lot more intentional in terms of starting my day out in the way that I know that I need to have it started out. And for me today, what that looks like is my morning routine. So my morning routine now is typically going to involve me making mushroom coffee. And for those of you that are wondering, yes, mushroom coffee is amazing. I'm a big, 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 big fan. And no, they're not a sponsor to this podcast. At least not yet. Maybe they will be in the future. Yeah, Four Sigmatic, if you want me to sponsor um, your coffee for my podcast, let me know and I can get some free coffee. I'm just kidding. Anyway, so I start my daily routine with mushroom coffee and then I go outside and I just get quiet and still. And the way that I do it now is I try to take five minutes and I literally set a timer to let whatever my brain needs to say be put out on paper. If I'm able to slow down and write it, I do. But if I'm moving pretty fast or at full speed, then what I'll tend to do is pull up my computer and pull up a notepad and just type, type what I'm thinking. And then when I'm done with that, I just put my hand on my heart and I see myself. I see all the thoughts I'm struggling with, all the pain I may be dealing with that day, all the things that I'm excited about, all everything that I have coming up in that day or that happened the day before or in my dream that my brain just needed to process and get out on paper. And I say, I see you, I hear you, and I'm, I'm here for you. You're not alone. You're safe. And then I move to my heart. And so typically I end up putting a hand on my heart and the other on my stomach just to be grounded and connected in the present moment, which we, again, will talk about more in a future podcast. And then I just ask what I'm feeling. And this may, because of the fact that you're asking your heart, it's going to be more typically of emotions. There will almost never be like thoughts associated with it. And there you may have some weird, like weird or unexpected feelings in your body. So maybe it's like, oh, I'm noticing that I have this pain in my right shoulder. And when I move it a certain way, the pain gets worse. Interesting. And you're just noticing. All you're doing is noticing. You're not judging it. You're just noticing what you feel in your body. And then the same thing. Once I go through that, I'm like, okay, body, I hear you. I see you and I'm with you. You're not in this alone and you're safe. And then typically from there, I'm going to do something physically for my body. And so that may be standing up and stretching. It may be doing light yoga. I may do a breathwork exercise or I may just, I have this energy headset. So it's like a frequency. It sends frequencies. I may just put the sound frequency headset on and play sounds that are calming and nurturing to my body and to my, to my soul. And then the fourth thing is spiritual. And when I say spiritual, I mean, whatever you believe, it does not, does not matter to me what you believe. That's, that's definitely um, an old personal decision. And that's a path. And those beliefs tend to change over time as we walk through life and as we go through our own journey. So for me, what my spiritual practice tends to look like is getting still and getting quiet, tapping into myself. I may read something, a poem, a book, a journal, a verse, whatever I, whatever it is that's calling to me in the moment. And then I ask for guidance. I ask God, spirit, 
source, whatever you want, earth, whatever you want to refer to it as, I ask for guidance. I ask to be protected throughout my day and to be shown the next path, the next decision I'm supposed to make, my next step forward. And then I try to lean into that with trust. Along with my morning routine, the next thing that I do every single day in terms of self-compassion, and let me be very clear that I am far from perfect when it comes to this. There are times that I don't stick to my own rules and um, I tend to regret it. So ultimately, what you want to do is ask your heart what you need before you make decisions. So a lot of times for me, I'll be in the moment and I'll have an idea pop in my head. It's like, oh, maybe my best friend wants to go get dinner tonight. And before I know it, I'm picking up my phone and I'm texting and asking if he wants to go grab dinner. Well, the problem with that is I actually didn't stop and feel into my body and think and figure out if that's actually what I needed or what I wanted. Or if that was just a coping response or a patterned response or behavior of being like, oh, well, it's a Monday and I don't have my kid tonight. I should go get dinner with my best friend. But that may not be what I need always. And so I have had to get much better at, and it's still a work in progress, asking myself what I need before replying to anyone asking me to do something, before I commit to doing anything, before I make a decision what I'm doing each night. And honestly, I have to give myself permission to change my mind. And that happens rather frequently. So now all of my close friends, um, they understand that I may change my mind last minute. And that's just because I'm honoring me and I'm honoring what I need. And obviously that doesn't happen all the time or frequently or often. But if I'm not in a place where I feel like going out to dinner, then I won't go or I will, I will now, and this has taken me a very long time. I will ask, can we go to a specific restaurant that has a calming vibe and that I just generally feel safe in or with people that I'm familiar with, or I will ask, can we just do takeout? And that is something that's taken a long time for me to learn is that I'm allowed to do that. It's right to do that. Taking care of myself, loving myself, being compassionate towards my needs is really important. So the big takeaways here is one, just get started. Just get started with your self-love, self-compassion routine, start looking at situations that arise in scenarios and asking, honestly, how would you respond to a friend in that same situation? What would you say to them? And then say it to yourself. It doesn't have to be perfect. Just start and start slowly. And the other thing that is the big takeaway is to be an internal fierce advocate for yourself instead of your own worst enemy and your biggest critic. Anytime you hear that critic, that negative talk, that condemnation, that unrealistic expectation, any of those voices start coming in, gently remind yourself, thank you. I see you, critic. Thank you for all you did to keep me safe. That doesn't work for us anymore. We're choosing love. And you may have to do that 500 times a day the first day. Just keep doing it. And slowly over time, it'll start to evolve and it'll change. And before you know it, you really will see that your thought patterns have changed and are different and are more loving and kind and compassionate toward yourself, which is so important. It's so very important. So the last thing I want to leave you with are your next steps and your journey towards self-compassion. 
If you're interested in exploring this topic further, then part two is coming up. And not only that, but you can also check out the show notes for some resources. And these are just workbooks and books that may be beneficial for you that are helpful to add to your toolbox as you go along the way. And a lot of these are done by Kristen Niff, and she is a researcher and writer around self-compassion. And she has some really beautiful self-love and self-compassion books and notebooks, and they have guided prompts in them. So they're journal style where you can learn and actually start to put into practice what that self-love and self-compassion looks like. There are also some other resources that I'll add into the show notes as well that I've just found to be very helpful in my own journey. So that is all for today for our part one of self-love, specifically talking about self-compassion. And the next episode, we will be talking about part two, which will be looking at self-acceptance and self-forgiveness. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for being here. And please, if you don't mind, subscribe to the Energetic Pathway podcast. It is on Apple Podcasts, Google Play Store, as well as Spotify. So if you would please subscribe to that, that would help us so much. And we are so excited to be with you again next time.